Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. My name is Samara Olivia Prescott. I'm a full names kind of person. Um, I serve on the worship team here at church. I serve in various areas of our tech team, and I also serve in our youth ministry, which is CLY, which I love the teens. I had, I went over to the girl, they're all sitting over there. I went over to them this morning in the corner. If you ever need people to be your hype girls, they're the people that you want to do it. They were so good. I've never felt that good about myself in my entire life. Um, for those of you who don't know, I have been in City Life my entire life, and this house is my home. Um, this is my first time ever preaching a full message, so I'm very excited. I've been telling people it's my big girl message, so if you would, I'm honored that you guys are here, and thank you to our pastors for entrusting this morning to me. We are on our Heart for the House series. If you haven't been at City Life for more than a year, this is an annual series that we do every October. It's our series that we do to see God's house increase and see his kingdom expand. And just like how Pastor Monica had said um, when she was talking about the offering, next week we'll be doing a big pledge Sunday. And that's where people will be giving financial commitments to the year to be helping build God's house. And it's because of the Heart for the House series that we even have this building. We moved in here almost four years ago. It was 2019, Christmas Eve of 2019. So that is incredible. And that is why we do the Heart for the House series, so that we can keep growing and expanding the church. And we kick-started this message off uh, three weeks ago at the beginning of October with a panel, and some of the team shared their heart for the house. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jeremy preached on how to be a follower of Jesus. It was a very hard message to hear, but it was very good. And then last week, Melissa preached on the joy that we have when we encounter the risen Lord. And so this week, I wanted to talk about one of our distinctives. If you don't know what our distinctives are, they fall, we have like a mission statement. So imagine the mission, it like goes over here. And then the distinctives, they fall under the mission. And so if you know our mission, you can say it with me. It's to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to carry on the mission of Jesus. And within this, we have all of our distinctives. So the media team is just going to, they've already thrown it up. And I'm just going to read through them. It says that we choose God's story as the true narrative of our lives. Our doing for God comes out of our being with God. We are a passionate house full of laughter and fun. We are contributors, not consumers. We choose we over me. We honor layers of generational wisdom and strength. We boldly embrace faith for signs, wonders, and miracles. And we seek to bring God's flourishing into every sphere of society. All of these distinctives are things that make city life city life. They are what identify us. It is our core purpose. It's our core mission, and it's what we are trying to accomplish. And so this morning, I wanted to talk about how we choose God's story as the true narrative of our lives. We believe at City Life that each of our lives are a part of a bigger story, and that each of our stories are trying to find a place to call home. And so the title for this message is called Don't Lose the Plot. If you're a title person, if you're taking notes, that's the title. Now, I have always loved stories. Does anybody else love stories, love plot lines, movies, books, TV shows, video games? They're all stories. I'm the type of person who will sit, like I'll stay up all night to finish reading a book if it means I finish the book in one sitting. I don't know if anyone else can relate. Or if you binge watch the newest TV series all night long, 
Yes, I love that. I love stories. I am always consumed with a good story. And it just takes up so much space in my brain. I, I love to write. I have a bunch of plot lines that are like always unfolding in my head. And I have a massive note section on my phone that is just, it's stories, it's characters, it's things that I want to write one day. But stories aren't just reading books. Like I said, they're the movies and the TV shows that we watch. They're the video games you play. They're the social media feeds that we scroll through. Every sphere of entertainment that we consume is feeding us some sort of narrative or storyline. With this, I'm going to get the media team to throw up a plot diagram. I'm just going to take a drink of water real quick. Most of us know how a plot works. We've learned it in our middle school English classes, but we're just going to do a quick recap. We have the, the, the exposition, which is also known as the introduction. This is the beginning of the story. It introduces us, our characters, it tells us where the story takes place, and it gives us a good idea of what could happen in the story. After the introduction takes place, we go into the inciting incident, or as I like to call it, the trigger. This is what usually will trigger or push the character into the plot line of the story. It's usually some sort of conflict, some sort of issue happens, and it leads into the rising action, which is the building anticipation of every story. It usually takes up about most books or TV shows or movies that we watch, and it's the big, well, as you can see, it just it goes up, and it leads us to the climax. The climax of the story is the main point. If you're looking for a comparison in your life, I like to call these made-it moments. Maybe it's when you get married, or it's when you finally graduate school, or you get your dream job, or you have kids, or you, you I said graduate already. Any of those big moments, those are the made it climax moments. After the climax, we have the falling action, and this usually will wrap up and fold up anything, like any of the loose ends, anything that didn't make sense, and it just leads us into the resolution, which will wrap up the story. So that is our junior high English plot line. <laughs> All of these plots are being shaped by some sort of narrative. What, where we live, what we do, and who we interact with are all shaping a narrative in our life. Whether you are aware of it or not, there is a narrative that is shaping your life. But the question is, what narrative is shaping it? And so I'm just going to read, I'm going to tell you a story. <coughs> Approximately 2,000 years ago, on a dark night in a town called Bethlehem, a young virgin woman groaned with birthing pains as she gave birth to a baby boy in a stable. The birth of this baby would excite wonder and awe, but it would also awaken forces of evil and wickedness that would do everything in its power to stop this very miracle from occurring. The boy grew up as every Jewish boy did, and when he reached his 30s, he'd begin what we would know as the most life-defining and history-altering mission that has ever existed. He grew his following as he performed healing miracles, did signs and wonders, and preached to the masses in a way that was daunting to the culture of the time. He shifted the rules, he challenged minds, he sat with outcasts, and he softened hearts. He was the hero that the Jewish people had been waiting for, and yet his greatest opposition were the very people that he had come to rescue. In a fixed effort to stop the what the Jewish leaders saw as madness, they set out to crucify this same man who loved beyond borders. They were successful in their attempt, and the one who was supposed to rescue the Jewish people had been killed before their very eyes. But through his holy and blameless perfection, his death broke the chains that held humanity captive. Where he laid in a tomb for three days, he arose back to life, and through his resurrection life, he now offers this new life to every person. 
inviting each of us to take part in a new story. This is a story where sin and death no longer have the final word. This is the story of Jesus, and he would be known as the savior of the world. And this is the story that we are invited into. Now, this whole story, it's only the introduction and the inciting incident into what God's narrative is in our lives. I think that we tend to view our relationship with Jesus as, oh, I've said yes to Jesus, and it's like a climax moment. And while it is a very, very important moment in our lives, it's only the beginning, it's only the introduction, it's only the inciting incident to the rest of our lives. When we say yes to a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says that our old lives are gone and a new life has begun. And if a new life has begun, that it implies, sorry, if a new life has begun, then it implies that we have been brought into a new story and we get a new narrative, a new narrative that isn't driven by ourselves or by trauma or by sin. It's a dead life that's being brought back to life and being brought into a new story. But it's not as simple as finding a new story. We can't just pick this one or pick that one and hope everything works out. Following Jesus doesn't mean that our problems go away. It doesn't mean that trauma leaves right away or that old habits are just fixed in a moment. And while some people experience healing and freedom right away, that has not been my personal story. I've had to learn how to make active choices daily to choose God's narrative and to live in his story. Following Jesus has got to be a decision that we make daily. It means that we are choosing God's story as the true narrative of our lives despite any of the circumstances that try to distract us from heaven's reality over our lives. So now you might be asking, what is this narrative? How do I live in it? What does it even look like? In our next steps track, which if you haven't taken, they're short videos that summarize how to follow Jesus and what we believe as a church. We've summarized it into this short, into this little blurb, and it says, we believe that there is a true story of the whole world, and it can be summed up this way. We are designed for good, damaged by evil, restored for better, and sent together to heal. This is our story and why Jesus came to earth, died for us, and invites us to follow him. We follow him into, and we become a part of God's story that is continuing to unfold. So this is how we can know the narrative. Number one is we need to know that we were designed for good. Everyone say it with me. I was designed for good. Great. You guys sound wonderful. In Colossians 1, verse 15 to 16, it says, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things that we can't see and the things, sorry, he made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and he is supreme over all of creation. Genesis 1 verse 26, it says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. These two verses point that creation itself reflects the power and the nature of God and that humanity reflects the very nature of a very good God. We were created for good out of the very works of a very good God. We were created for good. The problem is that we've been damaged by evil. We are all sinners. I, if you've been around for any length of time, you've probably heard me say that I am a dirty, rotten sinner. It's my slogan. I love saying it. But it's true. Isaiah 64, verse 6, it says, We are all infected with and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Romans 3, verse 23 says, For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. No one, including myself, likes being told that they are in the wrong. 
Does anyone like being told that they're in the wrong? Do you like it when people point out the sin in your life? It's not fun. But if we want to recognize what God's true narrative is, then we need to recognize that we contribute to what is broken in this world. There is never a moment in my life where I don't need the saving power and grace of Jesus Christ at work within me. I know that I am hopelessly lost without Jesus, and you need to know that you are hopelessly lost without Jesus. Jesus isn't just an add-in or a band-aid to cover up a wound, but he is the savior of the world, and he's the same savior who gave up his life for a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners. We have all experienced the damage of evil, and we've all contributed to the damage of evil. We see this damage through the effects of grief after death, or in sickness that takes over bodies, or in the consequences of unfaithfulness that will destroy marriage and families. We see it through gossip that will break up relationships. We see it through cheating and lying on a test or to a person. Whether you are experiencing the evil or you are the one causing it, this narrative of evil is begging for our attention. And if we don't guard our hearts, we will slip back into this evil narrative. We need to acknowledge that we are damaged by evil, but we don't just stay here. This is the, ne the next part of the narrative is the best part. And it's that we have been restored for better. In John 2 verse 2, it says, Jesus served as a sacrifice for our sins. He solved the problem of sin. He solved the sin problem for good, not only ours, but for the whole world. Ephesians 1 verse 20 to 23 says, all of this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And it's not just for the time being, but it's for forever. He is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body by which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. This was Jesus' earth story. It's the reason that Jesus came for us. It came to restore us now, to write us a new story. He didn't, it wasn't just to save us from going to hell one day and I'll be good with God when I get there, but it's to bring a restoration to us now, that we would be his church, that we would be his body, that we would be his people by which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. The narrative that we are living in is not restoration someday, but it is restoration now. It's through his ruling that we find restoration for our souls. Thing is that we can't just stop at restoration. We have to continue into the next part of the narrative, which is that we were sent together to heal. Our core mission purpose is to bring God's redemptive and restoration and healing power into the world. In Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus says to his disciples, go out into the world and share the good news with all of creation. Here are some practical ways that we can share the redemptive power of God at work in our lives. We can bring a gift of loving friendships. We can be kind to the people at school who seem like outcasts or we, nice and bring life to the coworkers who rub us the wrong way or extend a helping hand to your neighbors. We bring the gift of good friendships and we contribute and show who Jesus is to the people around us. We can show up by extending forgiveness and bringing peace, showing up when people are going through crisis and by being joyful and fun people. And I would like to just put a side note, don't just be friends with people who are in the same season of life as you. I have learned so much from the people who are older than me who can offer wisdom and guidance that people my age can't offer, but I've also learned fresh perspective and how to stay relevant through the younger people that I'm with. 
Another way that we can release God's redemptive power is by serving our community. Whether that's serving in church or it's serving outside, there is something to be said when we give up our own title and elevate those around us. When we put importance on them and say that they are better than or not, they're not better, but they deserve our attention. They deserve our service. We bring that message to people saying that there's value on their lives. We bring God's redemptive power by standing boldly in faith for signs, wonders, and miracles. When we stand with people in prayer, when we encourage them, when we have conversations with our friends and our family members and strangers on the street, we are meant to be bringing a message of hope. If we are not bringing a message of hope, we are missing the purpose. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says that we are now representatives of the anointed one, the liberating King Jesus. God has given us a charge to carry through our lives, urging all people on behalf of the anointed one to become reconciled to the creator God. We are a part of the mission that reconciles people to the creator God. This is something that has been put over our lives. We are kingdom representatives and we need to step into this. There's two practical things that you could do this week to help bring a mission of hope. They talked about, Jazz talked about in church news, the Operation Christmas Child, there's boxes in the foyer. You're contributing to bringing the message of hope to a bunch of children. The other way is to help and get involved in the Christmas closet, which is helping single parents and low-income families in our community have clothes and have gifts for Christmas and be able to supply them with what they need. Those are two practical things that we can do. Another thing that you need to do to stay on mission is to stay connected in church community. You can have outside community who don't follow Jesus, it's great. We need to have community with people who aren't in church, but you also need your church community because if you don't have your church community, no, the people around you who don't follow Jesus can't speak God's narrative into your life. So to recap the narrative that we are living in is that we were created for good, we have been damaged by evil, but we are restored for better and we are sent out to heal and to bring God's restoration into others. If you are a follower of Jesus, you need to choose God's narrative. You can't just keep sitting in your own story and choosing your own plot line and doing whatever you want. We have to choose the kingdom. We're not just choosing between one idea or another. We're not choosing between our feelings. We're not choosing a system or a political idea, but we are choosing God's kingdom. We are choosing to actively live in the narrative of heaven. So what do we do with this narrative? Now that we know it, how do we actually live it and let it become our story? Well, I think our core purpose mission statement summarizes it very well. Like we said earlier, it was to be with Jesus and to become like him and to carry on his mission. So point number one of how to carry out the narrative is that we be with Jesus and we become like him through worship and devotion. As we spend time with Jesus, we will become more like him. Worship is a way that we can declare God's narrative at work in our lives. If you don't know what to say or you don't know what to do, when you put on a worship song and you just sing out, whether you, don't, whether you like sing or not, singing out those songs is a powerful declaration. One of the songs that we sing regularly here on Sundays is All Hail King Jesus. And the lyrics say, there was a moment when the sky lit up, a flash of light was breaking through. When all was lost, he crossed eternity. The king of life was on the move. For in a dark, cold tomb where our Lord was laid, one miraculous breath and were forever changed. That is the reality of our lives, the reality that Jesus defeated hell, death, and the grave, that he took one breath, and our lives were changed, that we were brought into a new story that changed history forever. 
when we take worship and we take these statements, they are powerful declarations that declare God's power at work, his victory over death, and his rightful rulership over everything. We worship God because we need to remind ourselves who God is, but also because he deserves all of the glory and all of our attention and all of our affection. When we spend time with him through worship, we will become more like him. The other way that we spend time with Jesus, uh, that we be with Jesus and become like him is through our daily devotions. This is the way that we get God's word into us. When I was younger, I had this idea that reading your Bible every day was something that super Christians did. I was like, oh, if I can read my Bible every day, I'll be the perfect Christian. Like everything will be good. I read my Bible every day now. I am not the perfect Christian. It did not, it wasn't true. And I think lots of people think that if you, it's like, oh yeah, well, those like those church leaders, they read their Bible every day. I don't have to. But you need to read your Bible. You cannot know God if, without knowing his word. And you can't know the narrative if you don't know the full story. Attending a 75-minute service once a week is not nearly enough to fill you with the truth and the full story to know what the narrative is. In Acts 2, verse 42 and 46 to 47, this is right after the, um, the disciples had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus went, he went up, he went away. And then the early church is forming. This is, that's the prelude to this. But it says, All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals and to prayer. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes. They shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. At this time... Most people couldn't read, so they had to gather together to be able to be taught the word regularly. That's why they met daily together. I think the great thing about us is that we can read, and if you can't, the Bible app, you can listen to it. There's, you put, the, put your AirPods in, put your headphones in, press play on the Bible app, audio right there. And if you can't hear that, I'm sorry. But as I'm saying, we have access, we have access to reading our Bible or to listening it. There's no reason that we're, on, that we're not in the word daily. This is what the church did. If you want to live in God's narrative, you need to know the narrative. And we know the narrative by reading his word. As we be with Jesus and as we become like him, we find his restoration power at work within us. And we will see that we were restored for something better than just life as we know it. Worship and daily devotions are important for us because as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, he will make us into the image of Jesus. So if we have number one, to be with Jesus and to become like him, then we have number two, which is to carry on the mission of Jesus. Living out God's narrative is best done within the context of church. Have you ever heard of the phrase, lost the plot? Does anybody know what that means? It basically means to no longer be able to act normally or understand what is happening. I think lots of us can say that we have all lost the plot, at least once, me several times. I don't know about you guys. But when we separate ourselves from the body of Christ, it's like we lose the plot. We are unable to understand what is happening in God's narrative. We are separating ourselves from community that can remind us of God's narrative. And as self-disciplined as I would like to think that I am, I know that if I separate myself from community, I do the mental spiral. Like it is, it is just a dark hole of bad thoughts and it's going down. But when I'm with community, they remind me of truth. They remind me of God's narrative. They remind me of the truth that comes with King Jesus, of the freedom that I have in God's narrative. When I remember God's narrative, when I remember that I have been restored for better, then I'm able to go on to the next part, which is sent out to heal. 
The restoration cannot stop at me. It has to go beyond me. It has to be out, sent out, sent, bringing healing and restoration to the people around me. God has given us the church so that we can surround each other from losing the plot, but also so that we can be the voice that goes out into the world and declares God's narrative and carries it forward. 2 Corinthians 5 says that we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God himself were making an appeal through us. I know that my life has been forever changed by the goodness and the restoration of Jesus Christ. And I want to be his ambassador to bring this good news forward, to help bring restoration and healing into those around me. I'm not naive enough to think that God's narrative just makes all of the problems go away, that everything works itself out. In some senses, it's actually made things more difficult. I've had to learn how to keep trusting God despite in the midst of pain and suffering. I've had to learn how to trust him even when everything around me is going wrong. But it's in the face of grief, it's in the face of pain and loneliness and heartbreak and fear that I have learned that despite every circumstance that there is King Jesus, that he sits on the throne, that he has already bought, he's already bought my life with his, that he's dealt with the issue of sin and he has restored me. And this is, this is the narrative that I have chosen to live in. This is the narrative that I have to choose every single day to live in. And so I just want to finish up with a personal story. When I was 19, I was about to move across the world. And two months before this happened, three people in my world died within the span of a month. I ended up moving across the world to Australia to attend Bible college. And when I came home, I had a bit of a culture shock reality adjustment to just being in the real world and not being in this safe Bible college bubble. I'd spent the first year in Canada struggling with depression, and then a worldwide pandemic broke out and the whole world shut down. And in the midst of all this, I never felt so isolated and alone. I, I was feeling more isolated, isolated and alone than I was before. I watched people walk away from church. I continued to experience the death of several more loved ones in my life. And I watched people that I thought who were going to be with me, who were going to be in church, I watched them just walk away. I remember sitting down one night in November of 2021, and I wrote in my journal, and I said, if life keeps going on like this, I don't think that I can live much longer. I was desperate to die, but I knew that there had to be more to life. I knew that there was a different story, and I just couldn't figure out how to live in it. And so about a week after that journal entry, I ended up signing up for Christian Counseling, and for the next year, we worked on the frustrations, we worked on, we worked on the pain, we worked on the grief, and we worked on the narrative that I had been believing that was a lie from the enemy. We worked on how to not feel so hopeless and how to actually live in God's truth. And things aren't perfect now, but the difference is, is that I know how to choose God's narrative. I know how to choose that despite what's going on around me, despite what my thoughts are telling me, despite how I want to feel, that there is a different narrative for me to be living in. I have learned how to fight for the hope that comes in God's narrative. And so someone who grew up in church knowing and loving Jesus her entire life could feel this hopeless. I can't imagine how people who don't know Jesus feel. My prayer is that you would know the risen Jesus, the savior of the world, that you would take the bold step to live in his narrative despite what is going on around you, despite how hard it is to fight for this narrative, that you would know what it's like to be restored for better, but that you wouldn't let rest restoration stop at you, but that it would go forward and bring the restoration to those around you. And so I just want to invite you guys to stand as we go into the closing thoughts. If you want to live in God's narrative, or maybe you've forgotten what it's like to live in God's narrative, it starts with Jesus. He is the beginning and the end of everything. 
And in order to live in God's story, you need to know who your God is, that he came to deal with the issue of sin. He came to deal with the damage of evil. He came to bring us restoration. Jesus' death and resurrection was the inciting incident in the narrative of history. Everything else in our lives is the rising action to the climax as we anticipate the arrival of King Jesus. The story of heaven, this is the story of heaven settling on our hearts. This is God's narrative establishing itself over us so that we can live in his story, so that we can fulfill his will, that we can fulfill his purposes, so that we can do what he has planned for us as a church, as City Life Church to carry out into this world, into Leduc, into Edmonton, into the surrounding cities, into the surrounding neighborhoods, into every sphere of influence that we encounter, that we would bring God's narrative. And so if you want in on God's narrative, then it's as simple as praying this prayer, believing it in your heart. If you confess that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. And then we live it out. We live it out by choosing to live in God's narrative. So I just wanna invite you to close your eyes or bow your heads as we pray this prayer together. And if you wanna invite Jesus to be your personal Lord, then you can just join in with us. The Bible says it's as simple as confessing and believing. So King Jesus, you guys can repeat after me, King Jesus, I want to live in your story. I know that I have sinned and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe in your death and your resurrection and I want your new creation life. I want to receive the kingdom of heaven. I give you permission to establish your rule in my life. You are the king of my life. I want to follow you for the rest of my days. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for the gift of heaven's story written for me. I choose your narrative, Jesus. I love you and I trust you as my savior. In Jesus' name. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.